one of the most unique podcasts on the planet. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. The show about everything related to student transportation. If you're a student transportation professional, you found your show. Hey, bus driver. Exploring the entire school transportation universe. Talking to interesting and inspiring people, exchanging ideas, promoting student transportation industry growth, and sharing a few funny stories along the way. Now, live from Phoenix, Arizona, this is Hey Bus Driver, and this is Jason Nelson. All right, and we're back for another episode of the Hey Bus Driver podcast. This one's going to hopefully be pretty exciting. Uh, got a few new faces here, and we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing up here in Blackstaff for the TA conference, 2023 conference. So, uh, welcome back, Chad. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the intro too. The I like that you've got that updated now. Yeah. Yeah. Did you You're, do it? No, I know you didn't. So I'm oh. just saying that. Thank you for well, not doing that. I told you I have I have credit that you can. You did say that. You still haven't done anything with it. Well. Maybe you should do it. I know that you're not like typically working, so I don't know who the <laughs> hell to spend the credit with. I don't know anything about it. I'll give you the account information. Yeah, do it. it. All right, All right. Uh, it Cruz Mingus is back. Cruz, welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yep, I'm glad to see you guys up here. And then we we got the Flagstaff Fire Department um, joining us. They were an integral piece of our bus evacuation drill that we did yesterday. Uh, so real quick, we'll start with Kyle. Yeah, I'm. Kyle Benedict, firefighter with the uh, Flagstaff Fire Department, and we appreciate you guys having us in here. Yeah, appreciate you guys being here. And I'm Matt Smyers, Captain Paramedic with the Fire Department. I'm Tanner. I'm a probationary firefighter with the Flagstaff Fire Department. What is probationary? That means he's 12, and when he gets 18, he'll get to be a fireman. Secret FNG, is that (laughs) it? Okay. That's the public, the the proper way to say it? Got it. Got it. Right on. So... Uh, yeah, we I actually I'll thank Chad publicly for um, reaching out to I think one of your guys' chiefs that was there at the drill yesterday. Chris Pinnell. Yeah, so shout out to them for being willing to send you guys, especially you know out here to share a little bit about what we did yesterday. So um, I guess really kind of as we get into it, you know, maybe just share a little bit how like maybe starting with Kyle, what your role is with the fire department, how long you've been there, and. Um, you know, we just kind of go from there. Yeah. So, uh, I'm a, I'm a firefighter, also an acting engineer. Um, so if there's a engineer vacancy, then I can bump up and fill that position. And as a firefighter, you know, it's kind of the, one of the best positions out of the department, if not the best position, you're at the end of the hose and spraying the water on the fire, or you're, you're doing all the cool stuff, cutting into buses like we were doing yesterday. And then as an acting engineer, um, and then what our rated engineers do, that's driving the apparatus and the one at the pump panel on the Got on the engine, and they're pumping the pumping the lines, getting a water supply, and doing all that. So, um, and in the role yesterday during the drill, I was an acting engineer on engine one with this crew here, and so we just we rolled up and pulled a protection line and kind of went from there. So that's kind of my role on a day to day basis. Right yeah, and uh, my name is Matt Smyers, as I said earlier, Captain Paramedic. So my job is to uh, tell these guys mm-hmm. what to do. Um, so <laughs> I kind of forfeit, forfeited my average lifestyle and moved up to the front seat. Um, but it's pretty cool getting to put these guys to work in uh, situations and watching some of the training pay off. 
Um, Tanner doesn't get to speak because he is on probation. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, t- it was a, it's a good thing for us. Um, you know, being able to put each one of our roles into play, um, me giving orders over the radio, talking to the IC incident command, um, and just seeing these guys go to work on on something like that. Yeah. So we were. So this is, I guess, for the listeners, uh, kind of a two-year project that I've been, you know, working on with the TAA board and um, really trying to work behind the scenes to pull this thing together. We want to simulate a school bus rollover accident with, um, you know, students, if you will, I air quote that, students on board. And uh, we got in touch with Flagstaff School District up here, and they kind of put us in touch with some of the other working partners that we've worked with, Chris Denham, um, which is one of your guys' engineers, he was kind of the key guy that I was working with um, after meeting Chief Calendar to, you know, kind of get this going. So um, I think his vision of, you know, after I'd put it all together as far as like the outline, this is what we saw. This is, We actually saw this, a similar event in Kingman, where the regional medical center wanted to drill their hospital staff. And so they got their fire department involved in the school district and they, they actually flew kids to the hospital and kind of triaged everything, you know, through the nurses and doctors and a little bit fuller scale than what we did. But it was cool to see, like, the opportunity and just have the opportunity to do this and, and see that the fire department was, like, willing to, you know, kind of jump in. And in and, uh, and talking to Chief Calendar, I think that there was maybe this training role. You guys used to have a kind of a training position, and then it sounds like it went away and then came back. So maybe it was just kind of that perfect timing if you will that um you know just everything seemed to be falling into place which seemed to be pretty good it was way more intense than i thought it would be because i sit in on a couple of the meetings with taa i thought oh, this would be cool they flip a bus over you know put a car in the roof of it and a fire department you know a fire truck and an ambulance rolls in and yeah that'd be kind of cool and it started and they kept coming and they kept coming and then you guys like Pulling out the hoses and you pull out the you know the saws and the jaws of life, which by the way I found out from Mr. Pinnell that I could probably get those on public surplus. So I'm gonna start watching <laughs> yeah, that because yeah. I'd like to have a set of those. Yeah, keep them in the trunk of the yeah, car. Yeah, absolutely. You never know; you might need them. So. Yeah, for sure. And we're going green too, so uh, any of the gas-powered stuff. I'll we're be going to electric now, so you can have all that. I want stuff. electric, man. I'll wait for the electric. I'll have the electric. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was pretty interesting, just watching all the different tools that you guys, you know, I mean, from Sawzall to, you know, cutoff saws and the Jaws of Life, just everything that was kind of brought into play. And I think that was, it was interesting to see the hierarchy of how everything, you know, Chris was explaining the red helmet versus the yellow helmet and kind of everybody's role. If you're looking for a white helmet, they're the ones that are kind of on scene and, in the, in the, I guess, the command command person that's kind of running the i didn't the know incident. that yeah. i thought it was like my kid's football team there's a red helmet and a white helmet and a blue helmet like everyone <laughs> no, wears different helmets like, they don't even have matching helmets out there it's cheap yeah so yeah that's a legit thing yeah so so on that we work under what we would call an ics system an incident command system uh, we utilize a pretty specific system standardization system called the blue card system originally brought to the fire service by the Brunacini family out of Phoenix. Alan Brunacini was the fire chief out of the Phoenix Fire Department for a number of years. Um, but we implement that here, and it is its very paramilitaristic structure system where um, the chiefs wear the white helmets, the captains wear the red helmets, and then engineers and firefighters wear yellow helmets. Um, and it's, it's part of tradition, but it's also a really easy communication device, right, because 
firemen are simple and the more visual cues we get, the better off we are. And so, <laughs> so, uh, if somebody's looking for their boss, they just have to look for a color, you know? That's cool. And so, uh, yeah, the, the colorblind guys just tap somebody on the shoulder. <laughs> that's very interesting. Yeah. I was, I was wondering about that. That's pretty cool. I mean, it makes sense too, because it's chaotic, right? You roll up to fire or something like that. You know, I mean, seeing the color and like, that's where I need to go right now. Like it makes perfect sense. It's quick. It's easy. It's not looking for someone's face or, you know, Jim has a limp. Where's Jim? I don't see him whipping around. <laughs> I mean, you actually see the color and go. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for us, like you, you said it, it's chaos and uh, we try to control the chaos. One of the things that we talk about in the fire service and the reason why this drill is so good for us is we talk about a lot of things like we do a lot of things and we're trained for a lot of things and most of them are low frequency, high risk. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is they don't ha happen very often, but there's a lot of things that can go wrong and a lot of things that um, potentially could put people at risk for harm or injury right and so being a part of a drill like this allows us to put those systems that structure in place on some of those things in a little bit more controlled environment where there's not that huge amount of risk but we can practice it because we don't get a lot of practice because it's such low frequency yeah then when the then the life flight helicopter comes rolling and chris said, ah, i thought they're gonna have it i'm like what what they're gonna have a helicopter He's like, yeah but i don't see it and Literally, like, two minutes later, I hear it. And I grab my phone start taking pictures. And just the total event and what you guys did. And the the kids on the bus seem like they probably should have been out of school by now, but they were older, <laughs> older actors. Yeah. Well, from the planning Held side of it, we decades. just really couldn't. We I tried to get people through the school district. We reached out to NAU because they apparently have, like, a acting group there and just never heard back. And so we're kind of just running out of time, right? We're getting to this point where – we needed to figure out something and just have some sort of a commitment. So we took the, you know, full grown adults, which probably, I don't know if you guys knew that or not, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, just a different, different side, but again, high school kids, you know, they're almost full grown adults. So yeah. it's, it's plausible that it could happen. Um, so I, I kind of have a question just as far as like, if this was a real I event, right, you guys have a, a school bus is tipped over. Is that typical for the amount of, I guess, trucks that would roll up to that? Or does it just depend on, like, what's going on in the city at the time? Or, uh, And then how do you guys, like, triage which engine is it the arriving engine that kind of takes, I guess, control of the scene, if you will, until the incident commander gets there? And then how does everybody else kind of fall in line in that? So, I mean, that was pretty typical in terms of the amount of units we had. We had a few extra bodies on each unit than we normally would have. Our typical engines have, on average, most of the time, actually three three members on that truck. And then our rescues have either three or two, which are just ambulances with this basically capabilities of a fire engine just without the water. So the amount of units that you saw there yesterday was, was typical of what we would have in terms of a response to that type of incident. Um, the one thing that was, was great about it was the way it was set up was, I mean, we parked a mile or two away and all kind of came into the scene the way we really would. And speaking of the blue card, like Captain was talking about a little while ago, the first engine on scene. So in this drill, we were the first engine on scene, um, or I guess Battalion 1 was there. But typically, if it's a fire truck on scene first, that captain is going to take, he's going to be the incident commander of that scene until the battalion chief 
the person in the white helmet shows up. Then they kind of make sure they understand what's happening on scene with the units that are there. And then he assumes command. And from there, we assign the incoming units. So it was, that's what I thought was really great about that drill is it was very realistic in terms of from the beginning, it was chaos. And that's yeah. what it is with scenes like that. It's just, you have actors running around yesterday and that's typically what would happen on a big scene like that. And those actors were great. I mean, the actors were really the playing. The lady running around screaming when you she guys was, first got there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was great. It was just, it was very realistic for a drill of that magnitude, I think. Yeah, you, you know, I got to actually talk to that. Um, she was like the role play, bus driver role play. And she actually apologized to me. And I was like, you know, I don't apologize. Think about the emotions that you would be having in this incident. I, I totally get the the response that she had. And she played it really well. And, you know, and that's one of the things that we talk about that we try to do is uh, on stuff like this, we try not to um, go into it knowing, hey, like Chris did a great job. Christopher Denham, he's the guy that you were, you were talking about, yeah. the engineer that set this whole thing up. Um, and he was very vague with all of us on what was actually going to happen. Um, and so we really like that process because it forces us to um, be prepared for anything, right? Um, and so it was very real life as far as we had a real brief period of time beforehand just to make the plan. And that that's how it works in real life. The tones go off. We run to the truck. We got a minute to get there, put the right clothes on. Um, and then on the way to the incident, you know, we have to have a conversation in the fire truck. Hey, here's what we might run into. Be prepared for this or that. Um, and so that was the cool, one of the cool parts for us for this drill is that we really had to utilize we call it a risk profile, but what we are one of the terms that we use for our risk profile is we risk a lot to save savable life, risk little to save savable property, risk nothing to save what's already lost. And so for us to see this huge amount of victims, role players in this bus, and we have an opportunity to make a difference, potentially, you know, risk some bodily harm to save another human being. It, you know, it, it's, it was just, it was very real for us. Um, and what you saw as it played out, we talked afterwards that the cool part of it was, Hey, this is exactly how would we have done it if it happened mm -hmm. yesterday or if it happens tomorrow. Um, and so that's one of the things we really got out of it was, it was very validating, but then it also helped us to talk about, okay, what would we do next time? Yeah. So, so that's a great, great point. Cause I was going to ask, what did you guys learn? Like in a like in a school bus situation, if that happens, like what did you learn? Would you do different? Did you learn? Like I know the guy that cut the hole in the roof was one of you guys, right? For the car, yep. made the comment like, "Man, were you guys there on Saturday?" Saturday, no, we no, there's no. a different crew. So okay. different crew Saturday, they they thought it was gonna be like a five minute cut into the roof, you know, the roof of the school bus, and it took them like probably twenty five yeah. minutes to cut that big, you know, hole where the car went into. And I think that's a, a testament to the structure of the bus, right? We on the, on the transport. Right? Well, not only international, <laughs> but just on the from the transportation perspective, we we tout that the school bus is one of the safest vehicles on on the road, right? And so those types of things, the re the realistic reality is that that car wouldn't have gone through the roof, likely, right? But probably more sitting on top of it, and that was the case, you know, kind of the the reason we had to set it up that way was we didn't want to have any structural 
in, you know, integrity issues from the bus sitting on the car and then, mm-hmm. you know, having the actors, everything was from a safety perspective from you guys to them and really just trying to, you know, figure out what that looked like. But he had told me, he's like, yeah, it, you know, you guys should have used one of the other competitors buses because they're thinner metal and they're, you know, <laughs> just the way it's that it's built. Can. And it's not saying that it's not any less safe. Cause I don't want to say that, but they were really, you know, kind of struggling. I don't know if you guys paid attention to it when you got to drill later, the way that the frame is built and then finding where those, you know, where the frame is and where to cut, which tools to use and, and all of that I think was interesting. I'll add that it was more interesting. Obviously we had the dummies in the car that were going to be um, fatalities, but there was one victim that came out of the bus that ended up becoming a fatality. Did you guys talk about any of that or, or um, I, I think the count was it the County fire, the rural fire guys that seemed to be doing more of the paramedic uh, side of that. Is that, kind of how it played out um yeah yeah what i would say to that is uh we use a system a, a pretty pretty common system it's a worldwide system it's called start triage um to triage in mass casualty incidents and uh start triage basically allows us to uh yeah i've been doing this for 18 years so i don't want it to sound too insensitive um but it allows us to tag victims and the idea behind it is so that we're most successful in helping the people that have a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's and, not a sense of that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah, but it, it, a lot of times it comes across as, uh, you know, for these victims, these these role players that were writing them off. Um, and I actually had to make that decision in this um, where a guy was missing a limb and he was completely unconscious um, and bleeding out and the the ID tag on him, his role that he's playing is he's not quite dead yet. But the reality is, is with the amount of work that had to get done and the, the available resources, unfortunately, that is a decision that we have to make of, hey, I might have to step over this human being mm-hmm. and recognizing that even if I get him to a surgeon in the next three minutes, he probably won't live. Um, and so that's a tough thing with that, but it's very nice too, because we have this very clear cut decision-making process in start triage to help us to, you know, compartmentalize that decision. And, and basically start triage talks about respirations, palpable pulse. So if you, we can feel their pulse and their mental status and those big three things, um, help us to quick, quick visual things, help us to make that decision. So how, so how can a person... <clears throat> communicate and act to make sure they they fool you into thinking they need to go to the <laughs> yeah. hold their yeah. arm up there and go, no it's just cut it's yeah. not off just <laughs> right, sim- right. get me there like <laughs> right. yeah you got to be able to talk to me yep. i got to be able to feel your pulse and you got to have the ability to at least you know know that you're in a bad position but not, don't be like too like comfortable because you're like okay you're right, okay right, so right. you got to yeah, get to find right. that that happy medium where it's yeah. like that guy can go and so yeah. in this in this drill what was great about it is all the actors were wearing like tags around their neck that had written on there their injuries and what their injuries were oh, what cool. some of their vital signs were and so when we're assessing them we're, we get kind of an idea of, of their injuries right and their, their current state and we would talk amongst ourselves kind of what we would do if it was uh, just a quick treatment in order to move on to the next to the next patient um, and you know, it's kind of, 
it's a difficult thing to do, as Cap was saying, but it's the idea is to save the most amount of people we can. Well, yeah, because if you put your resource into the guy with the missing right. arm, barely has a pulse, and you know, I mean, he's yeah. clearly bleeding out. No matter how you know, no matter how quickly we can get him there, he's probably not going to make it. Right. To use those resources and then let someone else who could potentially be saved suffer or perish because you wasted not wasted but you spent the time and resources on someone you're not going to save anyway i mean it's fairly clear cut i get that but it wouldn't be nice if when you guys pull up on accident they actually had tags telling you what yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but so, so jason hijacked my question thank oh, you earlier what i was asking was what did you guys learn yesterday did you learn anything on the school bus side like the actual vehicle that type of uh, incident or accident like you said, cutting into the roof was harder than they thought. Like, right. Did you guys learn anything else? I don't. I don't know if you've ever worked a school bus flipped on side or anything like that. So I'm just curious if there's anything you learned about a type of vehicle and how you would approach it next time. So I think for me, I, I've never worked on a on a bus in that way with that amount of. I guess just having that freedom to where we needed to extricate patients and really tear apart a bus. But I think for me, what I learned is just this, how those things are structured and how they're made. And where the best access would be and the right tools to use. As you, you talked about the roof. I mean, the roof, you kind of knock on it and it sounds like, oh, this is going to be really easy <laughs> to get through. But then there's these cross membranes and all these yeah. rivets. And so kind of now looking at a bus, you can kind of visualize where yeah, some of those. ribbed all the way down. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All the way down. And, okay, maybe this isn't the best way to go. Maybe we can find another way. Um, and then we had, like our crew was mostly inside the bus initially and kind of getting some of those victims out. And there was a gentleman who was pinned between the front of the car and a seat. And so we were tasked with trying to get him out of there. Yeah. And we decided to start cutting the seats. And, and just you think it's a lot easier because we have these cool tools, as we were talking about earlier, that can do so much. I mean, we a crew went out there after the drill later that afternoon and said they used their spreaders to literally lift the bus up off the ground with just these these uh, these power tools. Nice these battery operated tools. And so they're capable of so much, but when you're working in a confined space, you might have the best, most powerful tool in the world, but you can't get into those spaces. So it was really, really great to one, see how this, how the bus was structured, where's going to be our best access. If we have patients either in the front or in the rear, and then just experimenting once the, the main, kind of initial rush of triaging the patients was done. Then it was just experimenting and training on extrication, sure. which was a lot of fun and a great training. Yeah. I have a couple things on that. Uh, I think the two things that, you know, we were, were super impressive, right? We came and we brought all these tools, as you guys mentioned. And uh, but the reality of that whole thing was that that's kind of the way we do our job is we, we'll, we're going to try everything. And it's, you know, we talk, we talk a lot about, there's nothing that we can't figure out. We're either going to go over it, we're going to go around it, we're going to go under it, or we're going to go through it. Um, and so, yeah, it's super impressive that we bring all these tools out. But um, that was us trying to figure out what's going to be the most effective. Which is, yeah, which yeah. is exactly what I was wondering. Like, what yeah. did you guys figure out? Like, something that, yeah. oh, we didn't think this would work, this worked. Or we thought this would work, and that's not going to work at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, so the it, Sawzall. Yeah, the sawzall was very impressive. So that's we, what I was. I was impressed with the yeah. sawzall. Like, oh, okay. I mean, it actually, use... the phrase actually came out during the the uh, drill. Uh, tool of the day was the oh, sawzall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I will I will go back. Um, 
the other thing, like what Kyle was talking about, was we could not get the you guys call them the jaws of life. Um, jaws of life. What do you guys call them? Yeah, what's the real word? Spreaders and cutters. Yeah, that's lame. Yeah, super lame (laughs) because it's not a really cool, you know, uh, jaws of life. That's badass. Yeah, yeah. Um, Right, and we all, we all signed up to use the Jaws of Life, not the yeah. spreaders. Yeah, the yeah. No, <laughs> spreader. that's why I wear the shirt. Like some of your mom's Ram kitchen Ram? drawer. Yeah, that's like... yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we ended up with the seat situation. Yeah. We ended up going to a socket set. Yep. Um, oh, to like unbolt the seat. We unbolted yeah. the seats. Um, so so, and I don't want to. I don't want to get so. You know, I know. I know you're sitting over here touting your school buses. Um, <laughs> But that steel on those seats are solid. Solid. Um, and because we had a smaller international. set. Of, yeah, international. 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 <laughs> um, and so we had a smaller set of um, cutters. And the reality was is the, those that smaller set was just not able to cut through that that steel of those seats. And so it, it, that is a testament to the way they're built. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I wanted to touch on was uh, – we had to force ourselves not to utilize the easy way out. And what I mean by that is um, there are some very real ru- rules and regulation. Maybe you can talk about this, about how school buses are built in the fact that they have escape hatches. Um, right. And the back door was super easy for us. You know, you just go over and it's got this emergency release and it's got this springed hinge on it. And now we can fit any person that went in the front door of that thing right out the back door. Um, and then the same thing for the roof hatches, you know, those roof hatches are, we were joking about it. Hey, we need to, we need to uh, block these off because it's literally just a quarter turn and now you have this big opening. And so now the thing about that, there's a certain size of bus you're not required to have a roof hatch. So you may run into oh, really? like a, a shorter bus, a smaller capacity bus. that's not going to have a roof hatch oh. or push out windows. So all you oh, have is a back door. And the side door and kicking in windows. I and I think that's interesting because all the, there's two windows, I think, on both sides that will open and push out. We didn't drill, obviously, that. But it was cool to see the people go in or your guys, part of your guys go in the doors that were facing upwards, right, when the bus was on the side. So the ladder went up and they came in, dropped in. And because there were four <laughs> or five people that were on the driver or the towards the front of the bus on the other side of the car. They came through the roof hatch, and then you have the one guy that was the one student that was plugged in the middle, basically where the car went in. And I think when you talk about kind of the thought process of going into that, I think somebody or Chris said one of the guy one of the guys asked, "Can we just pull the car out?" Right? right. Like, what if that you know that might have been a thing, or just cutting it to to start moving it out instead of getting to a socket set and removing the seats. And and those are the conversations that really happen on on scenes like that is. You know, you get a crew that's so focused on their task at hand, which is inside the bus trying to get this pin victim out. And then you got another crew that had been working on the outside and maybe they come in and they're like, hey, maybe the best thing to do is just getting this car out yeah, backing it out if we can. And that might be the best opportunity and the most effective way to unpin this victim. Um, I think we, we decided to try and just figure out how to remove these seats if we can mm-hmm. because that's a good thing to know in this situation again you didn't take the easy way out right, right? oh yeah we just move the yeah. car and let's go home yep. we're good guys let's get out we move everyone out through that hole in the roof yeah. go home exactly <laughs> but that's what's great about you know having multiple crews there is you get a fresh set of eyes and you can kind of combine your ideas on the best way to help and get a job done yeah. so you made a point about the roof patch and stuff you just talking about that and 
makes it easy. I mean, that's one of the things I've said for a while is that they spent decades engineering and designing school buses to make it easier and quicker for kids to get off a bus in case of an accident or a fire, like a smoke. Like if a bus catches on fire in the engine compartment, I believe they did a test up in Kansas years ago. And I, was up there. I think it was like a minute and a half. The inside is full of smoke. Another minute after two minutes is engulfed in flames. So you basically got three minutes to get 60 kids off that bus. So making it easier for kids to get off the bus was the roof hatch, the kick out windows, rear door, which again is why I'm opposed to seatbelts on a school bus. Because if that bus is on side and you had 30 kids hanging by a seatbelt and it catch on fire. That would have been an interesting perspective to like add to it. Because seatbelts, for you guys, seatbelts are not required on school buses here in Arizona. Some of the other states are passing it. And some school districts are adding them to whether they're lap belts or three-point harness belts. you know. So that could have been an even more interesting situation in a real-life event. Here's a bus on its side, and now you've got kids literally hanging that haven't been, you know, the driver can't get back to them. And, the, you know, what does that look like? So before we move on, I want to add the new guy in. I had a from, question for him, too. So. For a perspective <laughs> of, like, you know, you're fairly new to the department. You're working this drill what was eye-opening to you as far as, like, you're t- you're still in training, you're taking all this in. Like, what is the adrenaline level for you? Yeah, it's it's definitely up there because, for me, I have very, very minimal experience in all of this stuff. So um, I really relied heavily on the other firefighters that were there um, and, you know, looking to them to see kind of the experience that they have or Captain Spires over here and what he's recommending doing. Um, so it was really just a... A great learning experience to use use all the tools see how these buses are built um get hands-on and you know trying to cut cut these seats um it was just a really really good learning experience overall so for me i really really just relied on the firefighters that i was there with and if i had questions you know kind of go into the more senior guys and getting their experience got it so, so my question was i was curious <clears throat> were you like when you got there you saw it were you like happy? Were you sad? Like, what were your emotions seeing the school bus you rode on a couple of years ago getting cut up and tore up? <laughs> last, last, last year, year? Yeah, I think two years ago. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's exciting because you know this is the job that I wanted to do, and you know we're there to to help people. So it's it's a good opportunity to get out there and go help the people that are in need. So it's it's exciting to have that that role there and be able to go make a difference in these people's lives so kind of like they they were talking about you know doing that star triage and figuring out who we can save and what you know kind of the best so what's the emotions like you, you know i mean you hear this term thrown around a lot especially military ptsd i mean there's got to be like a drain emotional drain in those situations over time over the years and think about <clears throat> how to step over that guy you know yeah. And he's got a wife and two kids, and he, you know, I had to step over him to go save this other person. Like, I can't even imagine how that would, how that would affect your your mind and your just just. I, I don't know. I, I can't even fathom having to do that. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. You know, Tanner's uh, twenty two, and uh, I got hired at twenty five. Wait, he's twenty two. Twenty two. Oh, he's twenty two. He's like eighteen tops. <laughs> yeah. Um. You got, I got hired at 25. I'm 43 now, so I've been on the job for 18 years. Wait, you're 43? I am. God, I'm getting old, dude. You don't look 43 at all. <laughs> Shit. Um, but, but it's an interesting question. I don't know how deep you guys want to go into this. But no, I want to go. There are, yeah. definitely, there are definitely places in this town 
I grew up in the Phoenix area. You know, I vacationed here and I had a mentor of mine in the greater Phoenix area. He was a chief that uh, I really wanted to uh, raise my family in Phoenix, but I loved vacationing in Flagstaff. And he kept telling me, hey, you're going to get to go have a career in a vacation town that we all want to go to. Uh, but it's interesting, uh, 18 years of doing this job, there are places where I, uh, driving through town, I can't help but think about certain incidents. Um, but just like Tanner said, uh, we signed up for this job so that we can make a difference. Uh, people don't call 911 when they got it all figured out. They don't call 911 when they know what to do or it's they're having a good day. You know, nobody calls us to say, Hey, wanted a wanted a high five. Good job. I, yeah, I had a great day. You know, um, we're, we're we're paid to be problem solvers, um, and figure out a solution for the people that don't have any other options. Um, and so, what I always hold to is, at the end of the day, when I lay my head down at night, I made myself available to make a difference in somebody's life, and I really have to compartmentalize that. Um, thought process in my mind so that it doesn't get too, um, it doesn't get too real. Right. Um, cause when we start thinking about, you know, this person had a wife and kids and we start relating it to ourselves, that's when we, um, we start second guessing some of the decisions that we made or could we have done something different? Um, and that's, you just get into that mindset of, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking and that's good if you're going to take that and learn and adjust your process, but you can't get hung up on that. You can't get wrapped around the axles about it because it'll, it'll eat you up inside. Um, but like I said, it's, you take the wins, you take the small wins. Um, you know, you, you, you think about, you know, the, the five babies I've delivered in my career, you know, um, on the side of the road or in an apartment, um, you take the bringing the guy at the athletic club back to life because he had a heart attack. You, you hold on to those things. Um, and you realize that, um, you really, we, we really public servants. We really are serving the public and, you know, we don't get paid a ton to do the job of, a fireman um but it's the it's the ability to lay down and say hey i, I made myself available yeah. to make a difference that's awesome. um, and that's what i hold on to um so that makes sense yeah that's awesome yeah and I, then i feel like obviously that's how you'd have to approach it right you made a good point like you can't money one quarterback you can't think about like man i got a wife you had two kids of course you did right but you did what you had to do you did the best you could and you didn't create the accident so that i mean that you guys yeah yeah listen well it's out no. we're just outside of town so i think we're good so i also real quick and then i'll let you go yeah yeah the next time next time you're right you guys don't get the credit like people don't call and say but the next time like i don't know one of jackson's smokers catch on fire and get a pattern call and go, hey guys had a fire almost called you <laughs> but i got it <laughs> so glad to know you're there in case i didn't best one let you guys know i took care of it well just share the tri-tip with <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little sliver that I tried to. One thing that I was thought was cool that I got a chance to sit with another director and kind of have a dialogue while we watched it, right? And from the perspective of a school district, this is this is super foreign 
as a district, right? I, I do accident scenes. We do quite a few of them. But when I go to an accident scene, we usually hit a mirror on a light pole or a stop sign. And while there's police that usually respond, usually fire paramedics because it was a school bus kids involved. It's it's in some ways a formality, right, that we go through this process to make sure as a district that the kids are, are looking out. But one piece we talked about, that was a, you know, a, a CE, a front engine bus. Um, and so we were sitting there and said, well, and listening to you guys work through the process of the bus, the style bus that you looked at. And he said, well, what would this look like differently if that was a rear engine bus? with a you know a top ac unit and that car went through the big overhead ac now you've got exposed freon you know what if there's a fluid leak out of the rear engine right which was your in your guys's access point primarily like you said it was a door well the rear engine's got the window that would probably make just as easy access on its side but if you had a major fluid leak oil right something in the i, I would assume that would change potentially change the plan from entry exit into a bus um, but it was cool when listening to you guys work through that and then thinking on our end, how much different would this look with a different type of bus? Would this be different with a sped bus? What if you had two wheelchairs on that bus, right? Mm -hmm. Strapped down in the process of now we got a wheelchair. We got to find a way to get it undone on the, on the harness system in there, you know, safely extract a student that's in a wheelchair, different, you know, capabilities and abilities to get people out of those situations, which was cool to kind of watch through and, and then listen to you guys as far as looked at your scene. There's no you know, playbook on exactly how you're going to do this, kind of take what you got, take the surroundings and make a decision. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if, if there's an accident tomorrow with a, with a bus, right, it might not be the exact same style bus. And that's kind of like what I said earlier. That's what was great about this training is the initial showing up and it's like, okay, let's get everybody out. And then it was just experimenting with like, okay, how easy is it to, to get into this bus through the side through the roof, through the front, through the rear, which hopefully would give us a little bit of a, um, some experience with, with a different type of bus with the engine that's in the rear. You know, Then we're still able to figure out, okay, hey, we can get in the side using this tool. Or we're still able to get into the roof because we practice maybe on a different bus with this drill, but we're still kind of experimenting with different materials. And uh, I'm not sure if all buses are made out of the same materials, but similar materials, right, at least. So some are stronger than others. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I would assume Chad, but structurally they're all pretty similar, right? No, no, they are. Yeah. They're, yeah. The yeah, roof is going to be very similar yeah. to pin, you know, you have to have the same, the same type of cross members of structure, right? Yeah. The, the frame rail on the roof and the, you know, certain gauges still on the, on the roof. I think they're all actually, I want to say they're all 16 gauges still on the roof. If I remember right. But yeah, I mean, they're pretty old. Yeah. There's a pretty good standard. I mean, they're, you can't be, half-ass and building a school bus, right. design a school bus, and they got to be safe. Right. And you talk about, you know, fuel leaks and, and stuff like that, which is really real with an accident, right? And that's that's one of the main reasons we pull that protection line. So both of the units there pulled one, and that's just, that's charged, ready to go in case we need it. Um, and that creates a whole another set of challenges. But the, the basics of just trying to get, you know, whether you have two school bus or uh, two wheelchairs on board, um, you know, it's, it's just trying to get out again, that triage, right? How can you help the most, most amount of people? And I think it's interesting, like the discussion about seatbelts and everything like that, because, you know, I'm just thinking about if we were to show up there and it's just a bunch, bunch of patients and hanging from seatbelts and the challenges that that presents, because the first thing we do, like the first thing we did yesterday was make, make access 
to the bus and we ask, Hey, who can, who can walk? You may be injured, but if you can walk and get out, like that's going to help us a ton. Yeah. Then we're able to eliminate five, six, maybe 10 people. And then we can focus on those, those, uh, those patients that can't remove themselves. And if you have people suspended from, and I'm just thinking out loud here, suspended from seatbelts, even if they're not injured, that's going to be tough and hard to get out, you know, unbuckle that seatbelt and you're dangling in the air that could create another injury and some more, some more issues. So, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting topic. To think so, about. so think about that bus on site, that bus is starting to smoke, starting to smolder, starting to catch fluid, starting to catch fire and you guys roll up. And that bus driver yesterday is the bus driver on that bus. Okay. Again, on average, the United States, out of all the school buses around, the millions of kids ride school bus every day, there's an average of six kids per year lost on a school bus. Now, that's six too many, but that's a real small, small percentage, which is a testament to how strong they are and how, how safe they are. Now, <clears throat> you throw a seatbelt, 60 elementary kids, 30 of them on the left, 30 of them on the right, you roll up, most of those kids are going to be hanging. I mean, it's not going to be easy with their weight to release that seatbelt, and they're going to be terrified. Now there's smoke coming in. That bus driver yesterday is not going to be walking across those seats getting those kids out. You guys roll up, and you're in that situation. I don't even know how you would start. Like, what would you would you jump on top and start busting windows and yanking them out? I mean, because you've got to go inside and walk on those seats. You have other kids probably down there trapped and hurt. Right. <clears throat> I mean, and you literally have a limited amount of time. So... In that scenario, if you don't get there soon enough, you could lose 30 kids in one accident. Well, before you answer that, I'll add that yesterday in our after action, after we all took everybody inside, that was something I think that Chris, maybe it might have been Chief Calendar, had said sometimes, like, you know, this it could take 20 minutes for you guys to respond if it's one of these, you know, when you think about up here, just for you guys, Flagstaff, they're traveling, you know, down to Kachina Village or out towards uh, parks or whatever. And so what is, you know, you guys are responding typically within the city limits, but, you know, what does your reach look like? Or even the rural guys, 20 minutes, 30 minutes to get there, you start to add some of these other elements of a bus fire or whatever. Like, I mean, that you're you're going to be rolling up to massive casualties at that point if those kids can't get off the bus, which is... And I actually talked to a bus driver yesterday. She flipped over an HDX, a rear engine, Thomas. And she flipped it on its right side, so curbside. So she was suspended by her seatbelt, and she couldn't get out. Like She was hung up and couldn't release her seatbelt. So now you've got kids trapped or something, and the driver can't help. And you got to, I mean, you, there, that's, to me, that'd be a terrifying situation, especially if there's, you know, a, a sign of fire or something. I mean, because that's a limited amount of time. Or if it's starting to already come into the bus, I mean, obviously your first reaction would be to get the fire put the hell out, right? But, uh. Yeah, it's a. I wouldn't want to be in that position with you guys. I mean, I admire you for it, you know. But I'm glad they did. I'm glad you guys did that yesterday. I really, I mean, it was, it was very interesting, intriguing, and I was curious, like, what's their mindset pulling up on something like this? Because, you know, there's a whole lot of different ways you can go. Like I said, there might be some buses you run into. They're not going to have a roof patch. They're not going to push out windows. Yeah. Now you got the back door. An interesting concept I came out of it yesterday in the after action when the chief was talking was, again, from a school district side, what is what can we do to support? Because we're, we're somewhat limited in what we can help you guys right in the moment of that, that crisis. Now, on the back end, there's a lot that I can do to help. But 
I think the piece that he, he said, the information, accurate information, and the more information you can get us quickly on an initial call, right, probably drastically changes even Chad's situation you just said right there. A simple detail of, hey, this bus is equipped with seatbelts. Kids are going to probably have seatbelts on, right? I would assume that changes the way you're thinking, potentially the tools that you're bringing with you right when you leave the truck. Um, and so as a district, how do we quickly, because it's the same different state of panic, but you know, we're remote. We get a call from a driver over dispatch. Um, it's hard to get details from that person in the moment, right? It was the, the driver yesterday. I'm assuming if she's calling over the two way, probably not getting a lot of good, you know, clear thought out information from her, but trying to use the things that we do know, what bus is involved in the accident? What does that bus look like for you guys? You know, basic description of what's in it, about how many kids do we think's on that bus, depending on the, the technology, the tools that we have. Um, where was it heavy, heading? I don't know if that's helpful, but potentially is an athletic trip. Is it a high school kids? Are we talking about elementary kids? Um, I thought that was a really good point that I had not thought about that, hey, we get the 911 call off and get the information out, but Sometimes we're pretty basic. Hey, we'll give you a location. And instead of, hey, can we gather some of this information, use use the resources we have to give everything to you guys so you can do your job quickly um, and most effectively. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that dispatch information and, and you guys talking to the 911 operators and giving them as much information as possible. So to our benefit, the 911 operators, um, they – as soon as you call 911, they get the call out to us within a minute's time. But they can stay on the phone with you, and we can drive down the down the road responding to the call. And that information that you give them, they update us on our, our mobile data computers right in the fire truck. And so we see that in real time. And so that can adjust our you know game plan going into the situation. On top of that, like we were talking about, you know, we have a scalable response. And so what you saw yesterday would be our initial response to this type of incident where we have a school bus and a car um, with a lot of victims. You, you would see um, those three units that you saw, those three fire trucks that you saw, and then an incident commander, that battalion chief's ride there. Um, but then if we get more information, like a lot of kids on right. in that bus, I might just, as a company officer, might just add more resources because I know I'm going to need more people there. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, to handle that situation is huge. The other thing that we were talking about after we did this drill that um, was interesting that came up in the conversation is with how easy information is and how that information gets out and how that information uh, uh, may not be accurate. One of the things that we were talking about is during that incident, while it's going on, it would be great for us to have a liaison so that we are getting timely and accurate information out to the public. Cause you know, I mean, I'm a dad. I want to know what the heck's going on with my yeah. kid. Cause you know where right. I'm going, I'm going to go right to that scene. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to try to help. Well, that's just going to cause more chaos for everybody. Right. So the, the better we are at um, being able to communicate and get that information out to those parents and um, all those people that are involved, because they're going to, it's inevitable that they're going to see it on social media, you know? And so we need to be controlling that narrative so that we can manage that scene so that people can get to the resources that they, they need. And so that's a huge thing for us is that 
if we can communicate to you guys, hey, here's what's going on, and then that social media communication to the parents, to the district, to, you know, um, all of the people that need to know, they get the right information in a timely manner. That would have been an interesting, probably an element that we didn't add, but having, after everybody was there, like 20 minutes later, you know, having a couple parents show up and, like, really insert themselves into, you know, trying to get into the bus or trying to, like, really you know, disrupt operations and see how you guys responded to something like that. Just, just tase those yeah. parents. Just to, I mean, just to have the added element. And I know that there's, um, I think, a national company or a national program where they do, like, simulated teenage drunk driving yeah. stuff. And, and so they have a lot of that trying to, you know, send it home to kids to, like, don't drink and drive, right? But um, I guess that's one thing I for me as an after action, right? If I was to do it again, I'd try and add that extra element, you know, or maybe – not that I want to complicate it even more, but like how how could we do this even better, right? On on my end of it. So Well and I think uh, that was the the point I met with my team that's up here and we kinda of did that our own after action. We weren't a part of the drill, right? But we got to kinda of watch it. We got to watch Patrick with F U S D up here kinda of operate his his we didn't get the verbal side of it, right? But I got to kinda of watch where he moved around and um you know, one of my supervisors asked, she said, Well, what do you think you would do in that spot? I said, Well, I think it's a lot different than the rear end accident that, you know, I'm very much involved typically on the bus with fire PD, helping with rosters. Um, Cause I do have resources. I can pull a roster. We can start working down a list, scratching kids who aren't on the bus, figure out who's on there, you know, getting information, parent information to PD so that there's follow-up investigation, some of that stuff. But in this accident, right. I, I to me, and when I came out of it, it's going to be like a liaison, right. Going to find incident command. Um, if you got to take care of that driver, you know, or, or kids that aren't injured and you can help be a liaison, get your staff on site so that, you know, I know you guys check them out, but if we have someone to supervise, make sure those kids are safe. If we need to get them away, um, from the scene a little bit somewhere safe where they don't need to be with some of the stuff, see some of the stuff beyond what they already have, um, do that part, right. Cause I think we can help in that capacity. And then as a director or, or a supervisor, be that liaison, Hey, you know, and the IC says, hey, can you communicate to the people on this bus so we can keep people out of this area, right? I've, we've got the tools, most districts now, um, we can send a text message or a, um, an individual phone call, right, from a dispatch. We probably could call the 15 families on that bus within four or five minutes um, and let them know, here's what's going on. We're unsure of states, things like that, but more information, we're going to keep filling in, but we wanted to get, you know, control some of the chaos from the outside because in I would say in my experience, even on small stuff, right? Like we have a minor thing and we're holding kids on board to make sure that they're cleared and, and okay to go. And within five minutes, we've got 25 parents there. Right. And it's like, I got PD and we're like holding the wall. It's like a riot that they want their kids right now. And, and I get it. It's concerning, right? And you, as a parent and you want them right now, but there's a process and there's a process in place for a reason. Um, and while maybe it doesn't get you what you want right this second, it's done out of the you know the safety and the best interest of everybody involved to make sure the incident's clear. But I think that was the big takeaway for me was your incident, your role as a district is is dynamic. I think and it, it changes, well, yeah, in and, your involvement. And I think that you know, as you see more and more of these emergency type events, school shooters, emergency evacuations, stuff like that the districts are getting these their own emergency management teams. And so, um, you know, they have process, they have a PIO, they have somebody that's going to be, that we would be working with if we're on the school district side, we would be, you know, the call, hey, we have a bus accident, we're getting ready to call 911, here's what's going on. 
that all those people start kind of jumping into their roles, right? And so they would, I would assume in something like this, you know, a principal, school principal, a PIO, this, the district transportation director, maybe even assistant superintendent or a superintendent, those people are going to start to go to the scene as well and kind of become, you know, the <clears throat> district liaison, if you will, in between parents and fire, I guess. But, you know, again, you have the community that you guys also have to kind of triage at the same time, right? Just innocent bystanders that are coming by. And I think we had a few of those that were just kind of simulated, if you will. So um, I, it's just a different, again, it's different perspective and it's thought provoking because like, what would I do? And that, that was the drill for hopefully what school district people got was what, you know, put yourself in the situation that Patrick was in in the drill and how am I responding? What is my role? What am I supposed to do? And, uh, and kind of hopefully get into some people's feels a little bit about like, Ooh, okay, this is a serious thing. And this could, it really could happen. We've, you know, from, from where I work now, you know, I get to see a little bit more of that. And there are serious situations that happen that they don't end up the way that, you know, we think that they will. So I think, I think on the, the social media liaison, I think you guys are overlooking the obvious Tanner. I mean, I'm sure you got TikTok, Instagram. He's on, he's got <laughs> he's Snapchat. Oh yeah. So last time I'm going to pick on you, I swear. <laughs> I just, you know, I mean, first of all, I admire you guys for being, I don't when you're young getting into this role. I mean, it's not a, it's not a, it's like a glamorous job, like being some, you know, tech junkie. I don't know. You know everybody, I, I think mean, everybody no, 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 loves no. fire because my brother's a police no, officer. No, no, it's, a, it's admirable, yeah. Fire. And the women love you guys, I'm sure. I mean, my God, it's got to be ridiculous. <laughs> but, I mean, school bus sells me like, mm, yeah. make good money. Like, yeah. And then you guys are like, you're a firefighter? Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, it's a totally different ballgame, I'm sure. But totally admire you guys. Definitely admire you guys. Again, just pick it on you because you're young. You look like you're <laughs> 12. But, uh, except for the muscles, dude. Kudos on that, yeah. Um, I do have a question. It's, it's a it's a popular topic right now in the school bus industry. And I'm curious. I have three electric school buses sold coming this year to school districts. And one of the things I've looked into is letting those schools know you need to let your local fire department, where you're going to be, the areas you're going to be, that you have this bus. You have this vehicle. Let your tow companies know you have this vehicle. Because it's a totally different animal. You know, <clears throat> our buses fortunately have a uh, battery chemistry of lithium iron phosphate, which isn't as volatile as some of the others, the nickel, magnesium, cobalt. It's the one you see on the news, 12 hours of trying to put a test lap. That's nickel, magnesium, cobalt. There are a couple of manufacturers that use that type of battery. I don't know why they use it on a school bus, but they do. And what information do you need from a school when a district buys an electric bus? Obviously, you guys need to be informed. You're rolling up on an electric bus that's been wrecked. You could have, you know, uh, hazardous vapors from the battery. It could be the fire, the explosion from the battery going on. I mean, so what do you need from a school district just so you know and can prepare and make sure you have the right equipment to take care of that vehicle if there's an accident? Well, I, I think knowing what kind of school buses, right, and the, and the types of batteries it has um, – I think knowing how many of those buses, and if you don't have your entire fleet, uh, you know, if, if, if they're not all the same, then it's important when there is an incident to know if we can get that information while en route. To make sure, like, to hey, make sure our electric bus was just into. an accident. It was 
T-boned by a you know a medium duty right. tow truck, and there could be some you know some vapors. There could be some leakage from that. Like just to know that it's an electric bus is right. But yeah. you also like if you guys get that information. All right, we got two lithium iron phosphate electric buses coming. This is the size they are. This is how many kids will have on it. You guys take that information, I'm assuming, and go and start looking at the what are the MDS. What are those called? The MSDS. MSDS sheets. So yeah. you guys probably do you put together like a packet or information. You just educate everybody. This is in our town. We need to be be aware to take this with us if it's an accident. I mean, how do you, how do you approach that? Yeah. How, so and what do you need from us to make sure you can approach it properly? Yeah, I think the first step is uh, you know when districts get those like if FUSD got an electric bus. Um, the biggest step would just be notifying the fire department that, hey, we have this new thing. And then typically the next step after that would be uh, um, the training division of that department, like the Flagstaff Fire Department. You would talk to Chief Calendar and Chief Calendar would then work on setting up um, initial trainings so that we can get those MSDS sheets, get those um, those uh, build sheets on and to start to familiarize ourselves with those specific buses, right? Cause there's a, there's a ton of different um, electric vehicles on the road now and they all have their own little intricacies. Um, but that being said, then we would go out typically and do a hands-on walkthrough, yeah. you know, like um, where are all the, the shutoffs for um, the electric bus? Um, you know, that's a big thing. Where can we shut down the batteries or isolate the batteries so that the rest of the bus is in charge? Does it have a backup, um, you know, diesel-powered um, unit so that they can run a heater in the wintertime or air conditioning, um, you know, wh- you know, all those little specific things. Um, that so we- so you guys do want – you do want to be able to Absolutely. come out and lay your hands on it Absolutely. and see that. Yeah, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is knowing your first due, and our first due is, you know, what's our response area? What, what are we going to be required to do? And and just like we would go and walk through a building before it's on fire, so that when it is on fire, we have an idea where the heck we're going because there's smoke banked down to your to your knees. You know, we want to know how to properly shut down that bus, the the uh, emergency bypass procedures, any extra dangers that we might not see on a diesel powered bus. Um, so we want to do those ahead of time so that we can pre plan all of those things so that we have a plan in, the play, in place when things go wrong. So a district or a dealer should reach out to the fire department and request to talk to whom at the fire department? I would say the training division or the okay. training chief. Okay. Um, the way we have it set up right now is uh, our training chief is led by Chief Earl Callender, and he is the one that delegated to Christopher on setting this this training up. And so and that's kind of the way it works is that, uh, that you know, we are – we are always ready to train. And that's, you know, Kyle alluded to it at the beginning of this thing. The amount of trucks that we had there was a standard response for us. But we were over, we were heavy on personnel because there were a lot of folks there that were not on duty. They came in off duty because they saw an opportunity to say, hey, I have this opportunity to do some pretty cool training. And uh, so we take a lot of pride in that, being ready to do our job when, when it needs to be done. So, awesome. yeah, reach out to the training division. Partner up with those those local resources, um, even law enforcement. You know, we rely heavily on law enforcement for a lot of that. We talked about it, that crowd control. You, you get those parents yeah. where you guys are having to hold them back at the doors, you know. And PD is absolutely our friends because we have this task to do. 
And a lot of times if they can block roads and just kind of set up a little bit of a perimeter where people aren't going to be running into harm's way, um, it makes our job a lot more, uh, a lot easier to handle. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, that's great information. I don't know what they have up in the White River, but I'll have to find out. <laughs> so we're coming up on an hour, so I just want to kind of close it up, goes quick, but uh, maybe just some final thoughts from you guys on, on additionally what you, maybe what you look forward to as far as maybe, not some aha moments, but like, again, what what you're looking forward to, to maybe additional training or additional work between your your own crew right you guys I assume you guys work together on a regular basis so like what does that do to you to i guess team build and kind of a final takeaway you go first tanner yeah. <laughs> um it, it's super important like just the other day we went out to the uh the training center and we were working on you know doing some more extrication and vehicle stabilization stuff um captain smyers has a saying where it's you know do do hard shit build great bonds kind yep. of thing so the more you guys train together the closer you're going to be as a crew um, the more ready you're going to be for these big incidents as they come. Nice. So. Right on. I think what was, you know, it was it was great to get hands-on, all the different tools and, and kind of cutting up the bus and just training in that way. But I think what was great about this training specifically was there are multiple agencies there, which is real life. I mean, we had uh, GMT, Guardian Medical Transport, who was there kind of loading up patients in ambulances, once we get them out of the bus and get them to a staging area where they can be further evaluated, that was part of the training. Of course, we had Guardian Air that landed. Um, we had some law enforcement there, and I, I think that is very important because we do training. Guardian does training. They're the ambulance company, they do their own training, but it's not every day that we get to train together. And I think that's super important because we run I mean, every single call, basically medical call, we're running with the ambulance company here in town. And um, we don't get big incidents like a like a car into a bus very often, so I think it was great to just to just train with multiple resources and 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 learn from people that you know we might not run with every day, but we run with their organization every day. Sure. Right? And I think what was really cool about this is all the people from the district that came out from the city who came out. Stuff was broadcast over a PA system, the radio traffic, which I think was great. Um, and in the future, it'd be it'd be really good i think for us to have a training on an electric bus or well, we're not going to flip one of those over on yeah side. but you're not going to flip one of those over but you know you can have where we're not cutting up an electric bus <laughs> yeah, but yeah. somebody maybe from the manufacturer to come out and give a presentation to us and um but it was it was a lot of fun we had we had a good time and we appreciate you uh you guys including us and providing this opportunity yeah well i'm i'm glad that you guys were able to to join in but last yeah, I think my takeaway, I'll go back to the seatbelt thing because I kind of feel like that was a reoccurring thought here. Yeah, seatbelts, just from our conversation here, and I'm sitting here processing it as a company officer, um, could definitely make a little more difficult work for us, um, probably require more hands-on. Uh, but one of the things that we always evaluate is, are we going to take the the victim away from the fire or the fire away from the victim? And so if we find that, there are a lot of folks stuck in, a lot of kids stuck in their seatbelts. We might transition to saying, hey, we're going to have this, we're going to draw this line in the sand at the engine compartment, and we're not going to let this harmful thing get to these kids until we can get them all out of here. And that's going to be you know, our, our first um, line of defense. Um, and, yeah, it could take, it could take us 
you know, our response, we have some really rural areas and our response times could be, could be, um, could be long and getting those folks. And, you know, we had a pretty bad accident, um, years ago. I was actually with chief calendar when he was a captain, um, and huge pileup on the I-40 and we ended up utilizing the city bus system to get all of those patients out. And so that might be something as far as like transporting them to the hospital, um, that we might have to commandeer other buses to get that bus load of, <laughs> of patients, um, to a, to a, a better location out of harm's way. Um, so, um, you know, I think my takeaway, and I'm, I'm really happy to hear Tanner. I've only had Tanner on my crew for about a month, but really it's good since, to hear. Since, since you graduated. That's yeah. right. High school, we mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really happy to hear Tanner take one of my mottos because I'm, I'm absolutely 100% a uh, one-liner type of guy. But uh, this type of training is is uh, what we pride ourselves on, and, and uh, the – the quote is from Jocko Willink, and it's do hard shit to build a team. Um, the more hard shit you do, the, the tighter your bonds of your team will be. Um, and that goes back to me as a company officer realizing what Kyle's strengths and weaknesses are and what Tanner's abilities are and his needs from me are. And so the more times we can put ourselves, you know, it's like Tom Brady pumping in, outside noise before the super bowl you know like that's what we're trying to do we're trying to create that create that stressful environment and so i guess my takeaway from is i take a lot of pride in the fact that um we were able to show the real world to you guys as a district so that we can all work together as a community to make sure that we're all prepared for these these incidents and we're never going to be 100 percent prepared and we know that but because we were able to do this, we're a little bit more prepared as a, as an entire community. Sure. Like I'm super proud that F, that we got to do this here and FUSD got to do this. And just to hear that FUSD is investing in, you know, the, the entire process. And it's good for us to know yeah. that, geez, there's a lot of, there's a lot on Patrick's shoulders yeah. to deal with this thing. Cause we're going to come in and we're going to be done with our job. And then there's a whole lot of stuff that Patrick's going to have to deal with. So it's really cool to see the, our whole community getting together and all these different agencies and recognizing each, each and every role and being able to just tackle these problems. It, it, it gives me a sense of pride in our community. Awesome. I know you're one to cut up. I got one. I got another question. These guys are awesome. Oh, very, very intriguing. I appreciate it. Probably what's on most listeners minds. Like you guys are basically athletes, right? I mean, you're, I'm not going to be a firefighter. I'm 51. I'm not going to go, pull hoses and climb ladders and shit with you guys i promise you i'll do it once and then i'll be at the top going dude I'll give me a minute <laughs> so when you get a firefighter it's like checks out like i did health wise and it's like i'm just gonna eat cheeseburgers and like relax and they get too fat to do their job or too out of shape like what do they become captains or do they just you guys kick them out you run Engineers. them out like yeah we promote them to chief calendar's position <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Forty hour week. No, no, no. I would be, I would be physically in a lot of uh, um, danger if a, if Chief Calendar listens to this. He's a very strong man. But, but you guys get, you have ACLs and MCLs. You have injuries. Like, it, there's got to be a point where, I'm sure you've probably seen it in all your years. You may have seen it too. Like, guys just get so beat up they just can't continue, right? And hopefully, those are the guys that have the mindset and the intelligence and the the knowledge and the experience that they can move up and help train 
the tanners of the world coming in, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, and we have a couple of things um, to answer that question. We have um, we have annual physicals that we all have to go through, and that's oh. that's governed by the NFPA, National Fire Protection Association. Um, so we have to meet certain requirements on annual physicals, stress tests, um, and then we do a physical agility test every single year. But if you fall below that, we have a tiered um, protocol to help you get back to where you need to be. Um, and so a lot of that is total total wellness, right? So we, we talk about the physical, we talk about the mental, we talk about the nutritional um, balance of life. You know, I've always, I've always wondered, uh, you know, why do people bring us cookies and donuts? <laughs> and like, do you want me to yeah. be that guy? Because you know, I, can I can't easily... turn it down if it's on the counter. <laughs> Not that we don't appreciate yeah. it, but I'm that's a, that's the a, same that's a, that's a good here. point. Take your local fire department, like apples and, and carrots, and pistachios. Yeah. yeah, no yeah. sweets, people. We <laughs> yeah. we don't want them out there huffing for for air trying to put out our house right (laughs) so we have that tiered response to our to our fitness level and our overall health um but then yeah so the the fire service is super cool and one of the things i think that intrigues a lot of people to the fire services are our ability to have just different roles similar to the military where you can just get into a lot of different things and we're super lucky in the fact that um the municipalities and the organization, the fire service organizations invest in their people throughout their career. So we always talk about lifelong learning and that comes in where if you're willing to invest in you, the organization will invest in you. And so like for a guy like me, I have, um, I- I'm an acting battalion chief because my organization has taken the time and the resources to allow me to go to classes and develop my leadership skills and develop my ability to run a command system. And so, yeah, so I'm 43 in two years, I can retire technically from with a state retirement, but now my organization is invested in me. Why do I want to, I don't want to retire. Maybe my next step is going to a battalion chief position and running the, city uh, when I'm on duty or move into like chief calendars position where I get to go and I get to train the next generation. Um, you know, so it's, that's kind of the attrition that we see. And and you want guys that are trained, like you, like you said, trained up, they understand to train the next generation to help them help guide them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and one of the, one of the things we all say in our, in our interview when we first get hired and Tanner can attest to this because it was yesterday (laughs) is that we're always trying to make this place just a little bit better than when we got here. So I want to leave with it a little bit better than I got here. And one of the ways we do that is investing in the Tanner Caputo's of the world because he's 22 and he's going to be here for another 25 years. I'm going to be here for another five or 10. Um, and so the more that I can invest in him and the organization can invest in him, the better the organization is in the long run. So I think that that's where we go with it. Physically, yeah, um, we have to we have to maintain and, and we have to uh, work really hard to stay in good physical condition. But we have a lot of opportunities to move into other, other roles. And I was interested in that because I'm from small town, Oklahoma, 1,500 people, like Beaver, Oklahoma, small, tiny town. But. <clears throat> their fire department is literally like me. Right? I mean, it's like eight of me that probably were eating barbecue and drinking beer in their backyards when they got the call. They roll out there in the fire truck. I mean, it's just volunteer fire department. You know, they're like, I think they have two fire trucks and a 
a Chevy pickup with a bed on it, you know, but that's, so obviously those guys aren't the ones I want coming to my house. I want you guys coming to my house <laughs> because those guys, they're going to be tired by the time they, you know, pull out the hoses and whatnot. Chad, how far into the, uh, the annual fitness test do you think you could make? Like about, what do you do? <laughs> I, 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 without even knowing what you do, God damn, like 18 seconds. <laughs> you got seven minutes to get it done, so. No, I'm screwed. Uh, do you, can you do that in like stages? Like I'll do 18 seconds now. I'll do the 18 tomorrow. seconds here tomorrow. <laughs> like you got like two weeks to get that seven minutes done? No, uh, no I'll tell you what. Uh, we're going to do a recruitment day on August 5th. I just got out of a meeting plan to plan it. Um, so you come up here on August 5th and we'll put you through. <laughs> Never too late. We'll tips. get the defibrillator and stuff ready. Like <laughs> oh, make no sure worries. it's charged because yeah. you're going to be needing it, dude. I'm uh, telling you. So uh, you got oxygen and whatnot as well. That's right. We'll do a yeah. special edition video podcast <laughs> of all the chat through the day. <laughs> and it would just be, <laughs> I'm good. I, I mean, I say, yeah, jokingly, I, I tell people, like, listen, if I get in a fight, I got like 10 seconds now. In this point in my life, I got 10 seconds. If I don't knock you out in 10 seconds, then, dude, you're tough and you won. Like, just, I'm done. Like, I've got 10 seconds of just fury. <laughs> After that, I'm toast. Yeah. That's all I got left. Kind of along that lines, have you seen J.J. Watt's uh, YouTube oh, yeah. videos that, that when he went and spent, the, spent a couple days with the fire department? It was, it was pretty cool. Was, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you have you guys that, yeah, I mean, it's – you guys, what you do is impressive. It definitely is. And I I'm, couldn't be a firefighter unless it's in Beaver, Oklahoma. I'd probably be captain or I'd be the lead. I'd be the best one there. So I'll shift to Cruz on his kind of takeaways, final thoughts. I get, well, my first takeaway was... Wait, what if I wasn't done? Well, you're done. I'm telling you, you're done. These guys got to go. My biggest takeaways, I guess, would be, one, how awesome it was of experience to be a part of, right? Um we don't get to be a part of training exercise on that. We do a lot of sitting in a room and talking through things and our training's a little different and a, a lot less severe or in after watching that. Um, and so, but also to see something at a high level so that, you know, hopefully we, I never have to walk into a situation, but having some idea of right. The same lines that you guys work down, what's the plan? Where can I help? Where can I be productive with the information that I have and the abilities that I have? Um, and so in the district, and in, in I was looking at, and I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but I, I love the technology side of the school bus business. And so student tracking came to mind. Hmm. And we that's the thing now. And we can have kids scan on and off the bus just, you know, like a library card. If there were 65 kids on that bus, which that 72 seat passenger, or 72 passenger bus, right, Chad? That would have been? Hmm. 77. 77. So there very well could have been 65 kids wow. on that bus if it was the right after it left the school. That's a one, a whole different accident. Two, you talk about the information of getting hold of parents, figuring out who the 65 kids are on that bus without student tracking because a lot of people don't know in, in the bus world, but sometimes there's 150 kids routed because they could ride the bus, but they may not. So when I show up with a list of 150 and the IC looks at me and says, well, where are we going to start here, right? And you've got several kids unconscious. I don't know the kids, right? You know, my district has 15,000 kids. I know about five of them by, by facial recognition, and that's not good for those five kids that I know who they are. <laughs> but, you know, how, what would that process look like? You'd be talking about potentially, I mean, it might take me eight hours to identify who they are, right? They're not adults. They don't carry, you know, IDs and wallets like, like adults may where you guys can use stuff like that to identify and where a student ridership or a student tracking piece. And I hit print on a computer 
and say, hey, here's the 50 kids exactly who they are. Do you want me to start calling parents? Can we and identify with, which? And with their pictures and, you know, some of those things yeah. that we could get to you and you guys would be able to. Can we identify you know, the kids that are that are okay, not going to leave the site, right? And if the ones then work through the few kids that were transported to medical and get a hold of them and start that process. Um, to me, when I saw it, like the, the actual accident scene would be stressful, but the real work on the district side starts once the accident scene and you guys are kind of cleaning up and PD's doing the investigation and I'm trying to figure out where do we go now from here, right? To me, that's that was the part about thinking about my systems. Are my systems setting me up for the worst case scenario rather than the easiest, you know, to manage when all everything goes well? Like the roof hatch, right? Worst case scenario is the easiest route, yeah. Yeah. So what system do you use? We have we have Synovia. That's right, Synovia, yeah. So, and like I said, we've used it to some extent. And this year, we're, we're pushing hard. We're going to have it on a full launch this year, and I'm really excited for it. But I always think about it. We, we talk about lost kids as our, kind of our main reason that it's pitched and that we know where a kid got on off the bus, which is amazing. They lose kids all the time right now. That's why they're excited about using it next yeah. year. But <laughs> I have no comment to that. <laughs> well, and just so you guys know, I know Patrick has Synovia up here. Yeah. So those are... Like, if you guys are working with him, just for for you, if if something were to happen or any time that you're responding, he's going to be have access to kids scanning on and off and be able to print an, an active report for you to be able to say, hey, these are the kids that are going to be currently on the bus at this given time when I'm responding. So when they call it in, they could be like, we have 43 kids on this <laughs> yeah, bus. Yeah. Well, you guys know. And know exactly who they are, what grade they are, when their birthdays are. Who their parents are, where all the stuff you, know, you don't care about. Yeah. You seem to know there's 43 kids. <laughs> but you guys, but you guys yeah. we have 43 kids. Buried. We got Jimmy Walker. He's seven, and he's. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and here's something I didn't think about, like telematics, right? GPS. I can't tell you, and I'm I'm sure you guys could give me the same thing. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a driver calls in where they're at, and if I don't look at my telematics, I think I'm gonna run out there, and I get 10 minutes of driving around to the cross streets where I was told where they're at. I'm like, there's no way there's a bus here. And a call back in, and they'll look at telematics and be like, "Yeah, you're not really that close to that bus. That, that you, you know, bad information from the driver." But telematics gives us the ability, whether the driver is conscious or not, to say in, on your 911 dispatch call, "That bus is exactly right here. It's halfway between, you know, First Street and Third Street, off of Main, right? And that's exactly where that bus is, so that you guys can create approach plan, things like that, and." We can find the bus. I'd even go a step further if it were me and giving you guys access to the, the GPS or the telematics, like having your own login to their service, at least for your dispatchers, potentially, right, to where they could call up the bus. Like they have now, because it's web-based, right, so they log in, they're able to call up that bus and see exactly where they're at and, and guide you guys in without even having to work with the district yeah. to do it. So that might be a potential, you know, just as we're talking about this, like, if you guys go back and you're, you know, whether it's Chief Calendar or Chris or whoever, the the going back and saying, hey, we want to continue training on this topic with you guys. Let's talk about some of the other technology that's out there and that you are currently using. What does that look like and how can we get familiarized with it so that we can use it? It's incredible, too. And I met with our local. PD. I thought we were about done. You guys just keep this going on. This is my on last on. point, Chad. Okay. But we met with, with fire and PD. We meet monthly where I'm from, and it's awesome. We get to have a roundtable for about an hour and a half and talk about hot topics, things that we need to do. What what do I need to be do to help our you know our municipalities? Where can our municipalities potentially help me with some issues we're having? And one of the implementation we're working towards now is um, our two-way radio system that we run as a district 
will actually directly have a channel into dispatch in the local municipalities. And so like our emergency crisis channel, while they've got their dispatching system, they're going to operate on, you know, should your IC want to have availability, direct contact to superintendent, right? We talk about that, that liaison piece where that's a live broadcast between on a radio station onto our channels where I can give that to a superintendent. I can give that to a marketing media relations person. Maybe the marketing relations person isn't there on scene because she's in her office using her computer, which is for her, her powerful tool, right, to communicate out. And so that, that our local PD brought that up and said, hey, what about this idea? And I said, I, I think it's awesome. You guys don't need to monitor it all the time. But when you get a call that has to do with us, you know, you can get into that, you know, potentially in that channel and kind of you can hear what's happening on the district side. So that if there's some moving parts there, you guys know exactly what's going on and what you're walking into potentially um, and information that maybe didn't get communicated to dispatch with the 911 dispatch. So Before Chad goes, does that surprise you that we have cool shit like that? What's that? I said, does that surprise you that we have cool shit like that? <clears throat> no, I just perked up because uh, we actually have that ability. Um, right now, our radios that's sitting next to me right here, we have the ability to talk to our streets department. And we actually got all of our radio systems on a on a grant, and uh, that's a very real possibility, man. Super simple fix, and I think those, like I, I get I get those texts from my kids from FUSD right yeah. now. Your kid didn't get on a bus. I'm like, yeah, because she, she's in my car. I'm driving her. I get it. You know, she's not on the turquoise bus. You know, um, but uh, yeah. So I think I think we have a lot of those things. But I'm sitting here listening, like. Why are we not utilizing yeah. those things? Because well, cause I don't think people talk about it. They don't yeah. know to like, that's one thing that I like about Cruz. They think outside the box and how can we like bring outside ideas. And, and this industry is so bad about, well, that's how we've always done it. We do. We'll continue living in the fifties forever, you know, just driving old ass school buses. And, you know, now I would say in my 10, 12, 13 years that I've been in this, the technology has come literally grown exponentially for school bus stuff. And now that we have the ability with what you guys are getting, like we need to start talking more. And like you said, working together as a community, we're all in public service. We're all here for the same reason. We're all here to, you know, to help our communities grow and be better. And, and I think that's, those are the things that we need to not be afraid to reach out and talk to each other or get in front of the right people that get excited about this stuff. Chris, chief calendar, you guys, you know, seeing the head nods and the, like, I'm getting chills just talking about it, but I think those are the things that, that help grow and make things better rather than in, you know, inviting the negativity of people like, well, that sucks. Why, why can't we do that? Or, or why do you do it that way? No, we're trying to be better. We're trying to build better. And I, I think that's a cool thing. So well, no, chatty, come on. I don't have anything to say. You got nothing? nothing. You're a liar. <laughs> Now, first of all, thank you guys for yesterday. That was awesome. Great experience. It was uh, very cool watching you guys operate, how you handle the situation. Of course, the John's life. I'm sorry, the spreaders, cutters, whatever the heck, <laughs> pinchers, whatever the heck lame you thing you call them now. But uh, I admire you guys, what you do. It'd be, it sounds like an extremely tough job. And it takes a special person to do it, I'm certain. Unless you're in B-Roll Coleman, then anyone can do it. <clears throat> but it's good to hear like what you guys learn and that, that you guys got that. I was saying that yesterday, this is surely a good experience for you guys to get to cut into this thing and, and see this, how, how these buses work because 
it's not something most people think about, right? I mean, mo- and even in your role, you don't, you don't think about the roof hatches, right? You never even crossed your mind. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe it did, but oh my God, they're right here. That's easy, you know? But, and it, just to think, get that experience of cutting this roof is going to be hard. This probably isn't the best approach. Let's, let's take a different approach, you know? And you see this, these memes going around on the internet last year, the, you know, the, uh, the uh, rub rails on the bus. You have three rub rails. And we're like, well, that's for firefighters. This tells them where the floor's at. This tells them where the base of seat's at. Bullshit. They're not cutting through the side. They're not cutting through those rub rails. They'll, they'll be all day trying to get through those. They just kick out a window and get them out, you know? But, I mean, that is true. The bottom rub rail is the floor level, but that doesn't help you guys with anything. And that doesn't do you any good. You know, we're all, okay, that's floor level. You don't care. How do we get into the bus? But just to see you guys ex- get that experience and us getting to witness you learn was was pretty eye-opening and it was very intriguing and, and thank you guys for everything you do seriously appreciate uh, it. great work um if i'm ever in a serious accident i'm in flagstaff <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how mesa's fire department operates but probably similar yeah but the other thing i'm assuming it's tanner I was watching yesterday, and there's someone, a hose came on. It looked like foam or something that came out of it. But they didn't quite have a hold of it, so it kind of shut across the parking lot for a second, and they got it shut down. I'm assuming that was you, the hose? <laughs> was that yeah, th- it, it had to have been. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, God, dang. And here goes the hose shooting no, foam was, across the parking lot. it was lot. the other camera guy. It was Riley that was, uh, <laughs> that he ended up coming out of the bus, and he, like, kicked, just barely kicked it in. Oh, I was like, oh, <laughs> I think this is gonna get everything going. <laughs> so you guys have foam too, not just water. Yeah. You know, yeah. So like a fire suppressant foam, or I'm assuming it's not flammable. That'd be ridiculous. But yeah. So the idea with foaming, not to go into too much chemistry, but uh, um, the foam bubbles sit on the surface of the fuel, and it creates a a bigger surface area, and so it allows that water to accept more BTUs, um, and so it's absorbing more heat, and so we're uh, um, that's class A foam. Class B foam is when you see, like, you know, see on YouTube or on TV or whatever, and you just see the, a blanket of foam. That's that's meant to, to literally create a, a closed barrier to take oxygen away. But the class A foam that we use is, you just think about it as dish soap. That's basically yeah. what it is. It's biodegradable um, dish soap that allows the water to accept more BTUs and put the fire out quicker. Cool. Yeah. That's all I got. Great job, guys. Seriously. Yeah. And like impressive. I said, I, I'm I'm thrilled the way that, I mean, I, I don't think it could have gone any better, in my opinion. I mean, this uh, this work that uh, I've been working on for the last couple of years. Yeah, and kudos to Jason for yeah, two years of the work. Man. Trying to put it together. and Next one, I want to uh, fire. I want you know, a fire bus. I, I think fortunate enough that Me we too. could. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I think that's next. We're, we're talking with Chris and Chief Calendar already about maybe doing something in the wintertime. Yeah. Not necessarily this winter, but maybe the. The yeah, next year, but um, but yeah, just really putting this together and trying to figure out how can all the parties get something valuable out of it. That was really the the key for me, and um, you know, I think just again, just how can we all work together? How can we how can we learn from each other? How can we, you know, take something like this show and put it out there to other states? And you know, we we had a couple GoPros going, we had video where. Um, you guys are going to actually be piecing the video together for us. So I think there's going to be a lot of cool opportunity um, for people to see what we got to do that weren't there. And um, even the people that were there, right. Just another kind of different angles and excuse me, um, some things that were going on. So 
really appreciate you. I know you guys are on duty and, you know, being here. So to the people that heard the radios in the background, these guys could have <laughs> gone at any given time. So, um, like I said, appreciate the people that are listening. Chad Cruz for being here. This is our final night here. We're leaving tomorrow. Um, headed back down to the heat. So you guys get to stay up here in the cooler weather. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably Sucks one of the reasons we live there. Yeah, well, we just want to say thank you for putting this whole thing on. Uh, yeah. You know, our, our departments, and you guys know, public safety, um, public service is uh, we're always resource um, deficit. And uh, so to be able to have this opportunity is, is huge for our community, not only us as, as professional firefighters, but we really appreciate you putting the time in oh, and, yeah. and inviting us to do something like this. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah. yeah. A lot of fun. It means a lot to us. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, it was it was great to watch. It was you know just kind of that excitement of of seeing things come in and and I appreciate the hell out of you guys. So um, kudos to Chris Denham and uh, Chief Calendar for kind of believing in this as well. And um, you know I think hopefully we'll we'll be able to maybe collaborate in the future together. But you guys be safe and everybody else out there enjoy your summer breaks. Um, I know school's kicking off here in the East ah, Valley wrap it up, in Jason. Uh, about two weeks. So yeah. Thanks, Chad. Yeah. See ya. Thanks, guys. See All ya. right, everybody. Take care. See you later. You've been listening to Hey Bus Driver. Thanks for being part of our community. If you're a student transportation professional, you are part of our family. The show is coming to a close, but you can reach out online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hey Bus Driver Podcast. <laughs> And check out the website at www.heybusdriver.com. Till next time, this is Hey Bus Driver, signing off.